everybody So nice to see you, so glad you're here Oh, 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 oh We wanna know Jesus We wanna grow like Him We wanna know Jesus Good morning, guys. Welcome, welcome. It's so good to see you. Even those of you who are still outside getting coffee. Um, Mwangi is going to be speaking this morning on uh, the next in our series on encounter. Well, I thought he was until he walked off the stage. Um, but no, Mwangi is going to be speaking this morning. We just wanted to uh, just continue. For those of you who weren't here last week. Um, you might have heard Abby and I announced that we we're going to be transitioning out of renewal later in this year, in the middle of the year. Um, and as part of this, we talked about the things that will be coming up uh, during this process as we invite one another into uh, the story uh, of what it means, what's next, what we think God is asking. And one of the things that we want to do is start gathering on a Wednesday night once a month where we just gather as family and we're going to share food, we're going to uh, share some time together, and we're going to, we're going to pray. Uh, we're really going to pray. We're going to seek God together. We're going to hear from one another and just have a chance to, to think and to, to speak into uh, this next season. Yeah, I want to really encourage all of us. Um, this is going to be on the 31st um, of January here, 7 p.m. We want to try and make this part of what we do together as a family, coming and spending time seeking and hearing God together. Um, we'll be encouraging community groups on that week to all come together on that day um, and just come as, as a family and spend time praying, seeking God. Um, and I think the fact that we're in a season of transition, those who maybe were not here, last week we made an announcement that the Arnold's, Chris Abbey and his family, um, God is leading them into a different season. And, and as a church, we're in a season of transition towards what God is leading us to. Um, and so spending time together as a family, as a body, hearing God, seeking his face and his voice together um, is something we really want to encourage us to lean on. Um, so please put it in your diaries, 31st January at um, 7 p.m. In this space. And Mwangi, let me pray for you. Lord God, we just thank you for, for Mwangi, all he does to, to love your people. And the way you've gifted his mind and his words, I pray uh, this morning as we take time to listen, that we'd have open hearts to what you're saying. So Lord, we ask, would you come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good mo Oh, no, we've just hit afternoon. Good afternoon. Are we all well? We are in a series for the next long-ish while, just looking at different encounters with Jesus and looking at the stories of different people and what happened to their lives when they encountered Jesus, but also what Jesus did to and through them when he met them. Um, and today we want to continue with that series and we'll be looking at the book of John at an interesting section of the book of John. It's John 21. And the reason I say it's interesting is because uh, John sort of, if you read John 20, it feels, and I'll encourage you to do so, it feels as though John had finished. And then he adds, uh, it's like a, an attachment, an epilogue that he attaches at the end of, of his writing. 
Um, and the reason for this perhaps was because in their time in the early church, as he and Peter would travel from one area to another, there was a lot of people who were questioning uh, Peter's ministry, who, whose only uh, last memory of Peter's ministry was the time he denied Jesus. So that had become public news, that before Jesus was crucified, Peter had gone and denied Jesus three times. And so his reputation was uh, not the best. And so people were questioning his authority and his ministry. And it seems as though John spends time writing this to this last section to sort of affirm, confirm a God of second chances. To sort of affirm and confirm and help people realize that we, we serve a God of restoration and a God who loves, a God who had restored Peter. And I want us to spend time looking at that encounter of when Jesus comes and restores Peter back um, to his relationship with Christ, but also to his calling. Um, and I, it's, it's one of the sections of scripture that has always really encouraged me. And perhaps because maybe I'm alone, but I don't think so. The Christian journey is, is in a constant ups and, and downs. And during those down seasons when perhaps through our own failures and sin, we feel completely beaten up. One of the most difficult things is to remember a God who restores and a God who loves. When I was about nine years old, um, I, I always wanted to, to drive, but my father wouldn't allow me. That's a good thing because it's illegal at nine years. Uh, but I had watched him drive, and in my head I was like, I can do that. That doesn't look too hard. I see where the legs are going. I see what the hands are doing. I can move this thing. But he had been very clear with me because I think he had noticed my temptation increasing. He had been very clear with me multiple times not to attempt. So there was this one time they had, they had traveled with my mom and there was a car at home packed. And as it's getting cleaned, I'm seated in there, I'm enjoying the music. So the mere fact that I already kind of switched it on to enjoy music means I was, I, was, <clears throat> I was teasing out this desire. And then something tells me, no, 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 just, just, just reverse a little. Just a little. And I put it in gear and I managed to move it back. Ooh, and at that point, I was so excited and I feel as though I have accomplished everything I had ever dreamt of by that age. But then there was a problem. I can't leave it reversed. It must return to where it was in order for me to pull this off. But I was like, I mean, reverse has always looked harder than going straight forward. So let's do this. Let's, let's just put it back to where it was. Now, the car used to park and there used to be a small pavement and the wheel would touch the pavement. And I knew my father always touched the wheel onto the pavement. So I needed to make sure the wheel touches the pavement. Now, this was a manual car. And so balancing with limited, I mean, I'm not tall right now. So you can imagine at age nine, <laughs> what limited height must have looked like. So I put it in gear and I move it, but then the car jumps over the pavement and ahead of it was a set of stairs and it lands on the stairs. And so the car is just balancing like this. Oh, yo, yo. In that instant, my life flashed before my eyes. 
less because of the fear of what would have happened in the accident. In fact, part of me was like, I should have just crashed. <laughs> the fact that I'm alive, this is it. This is over. <laughs> this was early in the morning, and the whole day, I couldn't eat. I couldn't play. I was just like, when is my father coming so this ends? Let him just kill me now. As fate would have it, they came very late that evening. And he found his son seated somewhere in the corner of the house. He has cried all day. He has not eaten. He's unable to sleep. He looked at me and he told me, go to bed. Now that was torture for me. Because I was like, does that mean you're postponing this to tomorrow? So the whole night you're just sleeping, waiting for the sun to rise. And in the morning, he, actually I think I ended up taking myself to him because he didn't even call me. And I took myself to him and he told me, it's okay, I've, I've forgiven you. I was like, huh? And he was like, I can see the turmoil you have gone through. I think that is enough punishment. And I think you have learned that you should never do this again. And that act of him loving me more than his desire to beat me, which I'm sure he had, <laughs> completely broke me and made me feel very loved. There's something about when someone loves you beyond what you deserve. There's something about when someone comes and forgives you when deep down you you have dreamt of how undeserving and how much punishment you should get. That is completely unnatural. And I think it's the reason we often struggle with a God who restores and a God who forgives. You see, Peter had spent three years in the innermost circle of Jesus. But the result of this is that it puffed him up to believe I am I am Jesus' ride or die. And you see it. When Jesus comes to be arrested, the man draws a sword. He was ready to fight for Jesus. But when Rabbi met the road, publicly he denied Jesus three times. And this completely broke him. He had probably never imagined that he'd do this. In fact, when Jesus was trying to warn him that people are going to deny me, he was like, me? Maybe those ones, not me. He claimed that he loved him more than all the other disciples. But you see, the thing about what the devil does is, the devil first and foremost tempts us to sin. But then he's the same one who comes and accuses us of the very sin we have committed. And fills us with guilt that weighs so heavy on us. That all we feel is unworthy and undeserving. And this is what happens to Peter. Jesus dies Peter meets Jesus two times, in fact, before this section we've read. But you can tell Peter has not gotten past the guilt of publicly denying the person he claimed to love the most. And as we jump into this text, my prayer for us is that whatever spaces we find ourselves in, where the weight of our sin the guilt perhaps we've carried both short-term or long-term weighs heavy on us that today we come before a God who restores. Let's jump to John chapter 21. 
I'll be reading it from verse 1. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, Can cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work. He threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat dragging the net full of fish for they were not far from land but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them, and so with fish. This was now the third time that Jesus had revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This was said to show by what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Chapter 21, Jesus has risen. He has asked them, and you see this in Matthew 28. He had asked them, go to the mountain in Galilee and I will meet you there. And they go to Galilee. But rather than going to the mountain where they were meant to meet Jesus, Peter comes to Nathaniel, Thomas, James, John, and two other unnamed fellas. And he tells them, I'm going fishing. They knew what they were there for. They knew they had come to meet Jesus. But instead of going to meet Jesus, he tells them, I've gone fishing. And worse still, as happens with almost all cases of peer pressure, they decide, yeah, yeah, we'll go with you. 
So they all go fishing. And they spend the night on the boat. Nothing to do with why they had ended up in Galilee. Please note, fishing is not a bad thing. It's a noble profession. So it was a good thing to fish. It was just not what they were meant to be doing. And you see Peter in his choice to go fishing is clearly struggling with the reality of going to meet Jesus. He seems to want to hide. His guilt can't allow him to come and meet Jesus. Yet I'm sure they knew things like when Jesus would tell them whoever puts his hand on the plow but yet looks back is not fit for the kingdom. But what happens as they are out at sea catching nothing, which is an all-familiar routine for them by this point, Jesus shows up again, just like he had when he first called them. And this is what we want to learn a few things from. And the first thing I want to challenge us is that Jesus always pursues us and seeks us out. You know, we often sing, we sing songs about the fact that he will leave the 99 and he will chase after us. But do we genuinely believe it? Do we see it? Do we experience a God who chases after us even when we are trying to run away from him? Even when we are trying to hide from him? And the chasing may look very different. For Jonah, Jonah was chased down in love but through a storm. Jesus comes to where Peter is. He doesn't go to the mountain and decide, where are these guys? Look at the time. They were meant to be here by now. He knows where they are and he goes out to sea. And when the sun is breaking, he calls out to them in a very gentle manner. He says, children. He doesn't shout, you guys, what are you doing out there? You know where you're meant to be? No. Children. You know, it's very counterculture. We live in a culture where the person who has wronged you is the one who it is their job to bring themselves to you and confess their sins. And if they do it well enough, they may elicit grace from us. But here is a Lord who goes to the person who has denied him. The person you are told, okay, come and meet me. And didn't. And goes to them. And lovingly calls out to them. There's something about this character of Christ that if I'm to be very honest, usually finishes me. Often, I know it, but I don't want it. Because when I have 